So tonight we are kicking off episode two of our new series entitled Soul Care. And for the first like 35 minutes here of the service, there was a lot of great energy in this room. Did you guys feel it? Did you feel the energy? No. <laughs> Never mind. I was alone over here. Did you feel the energy? Okay, that's better. And now I have to be like, hey guys, awesome energy. This is wonderful. Tonight we're talking about loneliness. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I like that. Let's keep the energy up, even on a topic that can be difficult to talk about. You know, we're, we're kicking off this series entitled Soul Care, where we're dealing with these sensitive topics that we all struggle with in one way, shape, or form. We don't want to admit it at times, and last week we, we looked at anxiety, and this week is loneliness, and then we're looking at depression, and anger, and shame, and burnout, just really simple, light, superficial things, but things that resonate with us. So we said last week, some of us, these topics will feel like gears that are locked in your head, and you can't shift out of them. They're persistent, and maybe that's loneliness for you. There's a persistent loneliness and lack of connection in your life. And that resonates with you emotionally, mentally, spiritually even. For some of us, it feels more like a wheel that rotates in and out of your life. It's triggered at different seasons and different times to varying degrees. But I think the truth is all of us here struggle with all of these things in different ways at different times, even the topic of loneliness. This week I was uh, watching a TED Talk from 2016 by a woman named Baya Voce, and she spoke about loneliness. And she said that loneliness is something that all people feel because deep within our DNA there's a desire and a need for connection. And when we feel as if we don't have meaningful connection in life, what comes up is loneliness. She goes as far to say that currently we are facing an epidemic of loneliness that is a public health crisis. It's a strong statement. Public health crisis, loneliness. And when you look at some of the statistics, she's probably right. I updated the statistics from 2016 to 2019, and unfortunately, it doesn't get any better. It gets worse. In fact, in America and the UK, just taking those two countries... 46% of adults say that they're currently feeling lonely. Think about that number. 46% are either currently feeling lonely or have felt lonely in the recent past. That's especially shocking when you consider that in America alone, 50% of the adult population is married. What does that say? That loneliness is not a singleness problem. Sometimes we attribute loneliness to your, your marital status, your relationship status, maybe your social skills, your personality. Some of us may think that loneliness is something that only reserved people experience or single people experience or people that struggle with social anxiety and aren't as outgoing and gregarious as other people. Those are the people that struggle with loneliness, but the truth is Everyone does. It's such an epidemic that actually in the UK, they've created a new government position. This is not a lie. That is the minister of loneliness. Someone's job is to address loneliness in the UK because it is such an epidemic. 
Many of you know, I'm sure almost everyone in this room is familiar with WeWork, the co-working space. They're everywhere. They've got like, they're like opening new ones in Miami every single day, like right next to each other. They'll open another one, like the new Starbucks for co-working. They have a new project that's, this is true, that's called We Live. And it's in New York and D.C., and they're going to expand it globally, which is co-working that same idea of connection in business, but in an apartment complex. Creating an environment for people to find meaningful connection where they live. Why? Because there's an epidemic of loneliness in our country and in our world. You see, loneliness does not care what your relationship status is, what your social skills are, your personality, whether you're wealthy or not, whether you're successful or not, whether you're beautiful or famous. Loneliness affects all of us. In fact, loneliness doesn't care if you're a pastor either. I'll be honest, I at times struggle with loneliness. I'm like a social butterfly. Most of you have maybe met like, hi, nice to meet you. In like three seconds, I like fluttered away. That's like kind of my personality. I love people, I love being around people, but there are times where I struggle with loneliness too. You see, it can be difficult as a pastor because oftentimes the environments where people make social connections and where people build friendships are environments that you're putting on and you're working. And people have a lot of assumptions about pastors, whether or not they are relatable, whether or not they are accessible, as if we're some kind of like human alien angel kind of creation and we're not like a normal human being. We don't need friendship and connection as well. So I, I know what it's like, too, to scroll on Instagram and to feel like, man, it seems like everybody else has really meaningful friendships and they're always hanging out with people. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, again, not being invited to this function. I know what that feels like. You see, we, we all struggle with it at different times and in different ways. And I, and I tell you that not to have you all invite me to a million things. You're like, I don't want Carter to be lonely. So let's just blast him with invitations <laughs> left and right. But I tell you that because I want you to know that there isn't shame in feeling loneliness. It's not weird. You're not like the, the abnormal person that's feeling lonely when everyone else has all this connection some of us struggle with it persistently, and then some of us struggle with it in situations and different times when it's triggered through experiences or moments or conversations. But it is kind of an epidemic in our society, and I would venture to say that probably all of us here at some point in time, and even right now, are struggling with loneliness. You see, when you feel that sense of loneliness, it's an emotional signal that connection is lacking, that meaningful connection is lacking in your life. And that can be confusing in 2019 because we believe ourselves to be connected, but that's because we're under the illusion of connectedness. See, technology tells us that we're connected to a lot of people. You may look at your Facebook profile, if you still have one of those, and you have like a thousand friends. It's like one person you met in college at like one event is following you, and they see everything in your life, and you see them. You're like, how, do, how, how many of you have done this? You're, you're on your, your social media, and you're like, how do I know that person? Somehow, we followed each other. I don't really know. We have this illusion of connectedness. We know what people do on the weekends. We know their political opinions, even if we don't want to. We know what they like to eat. Some of you, your Instagram is all food. 
In fact, with like the slow zoom in of the music, I know some of you out there are always zooming in on your salads, you know, telling you. We know how people live, and so we feel connected. In fact, we also want to share those things so other people can know us. We want people to know what we're doing and what we think and what we thought about that show and what's our review and what kind of food we eat and where we're going on the weekend and who we're friends. We want people to know all of these things, and so we share them and we receive them from other people, and so we're under the illusion of connectedness. And what's happened is it's actually watered-down connection for us, which I think is what's creating a great sense of loneliness in our society. You see, we can actually feel a deep sense of value and connection to someone when they like a post or comment or when our LinkedIn profile gets a view, like, whoa, they want to see what I'm doing. Right? We, we feel connected over these really simple things, but then when we really analyze and we really spend time with ourselves, we feel lonely because we're not really connected. It's a superficial connection. You see, sometimes we, we think that loneliness has to do with how many people you know and how many people you spend time with, but 46% of the population lets us know that that's actually not the case because the majority of us are connected to our coworkers. We have friends. We go out on the weekends. We're connected in our church. You're connected to those at your gym or at CrossFit or a Brickle Run Club on Tuesday night. You have all these different places where you connect with people and you talk with people, but you feel alone. 46% of the population does. Half of this room right now struggling with loneliness because we've watered down connection and we are under the illusion of connectedness. So now that I've made everyone feel great, what do we do? How do we combat loneliness? How do we address it and deal with it? As we looked at last week, we saw David, who struggled with anxiety, pray to the Lord. Well, David also struggles with loneliness, and he prays here in Psalm 142. Look what he says in verse 2 and 4. He says, I pour out my complaint before him. He's talking to God. He says, God, I pour out my complaint before you. I tell my trouble before him. What is David's complaint? What is his trouble? Verse 4, I look to the right and see there's no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me, and no one cares for my soul. David feels alone. There's a a little descriptor at the very beginning of this psalm. If you have a Bible with you, you'll see it at the very top. It will say that this psalm is of David when he was in the cave. So David currently is hiding out from King Saul, who's looking to kill him. King Saul and his army and, and the majority of Israel is supporting King Saul as he is looking to find David and to kill him because David has been anointed king and David has been successful time and time and time again in battle all the way from when God used him to kill Goliath as he was a young boy with some stones. He was victorious in battle and a supporter of King Saul and he was anointed king by God and yet Saul wants to kill him because he's threatened. He doesn't want to relinquish his throne. 
So David is hiding in a cave with his small army and his friends and family, and he feels alone. He feels abandoned. He feels abandoned by Saul, who he one time supported and defended and fought for. He feels abandoned by his countrymen, his friends that he went to battle for and spent time with and and cared for to put his life on the line. Surely he lost friends over this whole situation as well. And now he's in a cave. He's presumably pulled away from everyone and he's by himself. And he says to God, God, here's my complaint. Here's my trouble. I feel lonely. No one notices me. No one cares for me. There's no refuge. You see, what he does here as the first step of combating loneliness is that he names it. He names what his complaint is. He, he shares, he doesn't say the word specifically that he's lonely, but that's what he's telling God. God, I'm, this is how I feel. No shame in it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to brush past it. I'm not going to try to justify it with all the reasons that I shouldn't feel lonely. I feel alone. I feel abandoned. You see, that's the first step for us as we begin to combat loneliness is that you actually name it. Don't brush it off. Don't try to justify it. Don't be like, well, I shouldn't be, feel like this. I shouldn't feel lonely because of all of these. Just name it. Say, so, you know, I, yeah, I'm struggling with loneliness right now. May, may be irrational, may be justified, but I just, I feel alone. And when he names it, he then does the second step, which is he identifies the root cause. He names his loneliness, his complaint, his trouble, and then he says, God, here's why. Here's why I'm feeling this way. Because no one notices me. There's no refuge and safety for me. And no one cares for my soul. Now, here's what's interesting. That is not true. It's not true. David has friends and family and a small army that supports him, and they notice him. They see him. They're following his leadership. He has a refuge and safety in the cave. He's hidden away from Saul and his army that's pursuing him, and he has people that care for him. But even though those things are true, that's not how he feels. Do you resonate with David on that? That you may look at your life and be like, I have people in my life and I have friends and I have family and people notice me, I'm sure, and there is safety and some comfort in my life and I know that people care for me, but that's not how I feel. I feel like David, lonely and like no one actually notices me. And I don't really feel safe. And I don't feel like anyone cares for me. So you have to name your loneliness and then you have to identify the root cause. Identify why you're feeling that way and don't try to justify your feelings. Because your feelings, even though they may be irrational, you feel them. They're real, just like David. God, this is how I feel may not make sense to other people, but it's how I feel. And then he challenges it. He says this in verse 3. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. God, I'm, I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling abandoned. I feel like no one notices me. I don't feel like there's any refuge or safety or comfort in my life. And I don't feel like anyone cares for my soul. But when my spirit faints within me, when I'm feeling this way, 
I'm going to challenge it by reminding myself of who you are, God, and your truth, that you know my way. You know me. You see me. You know my path. It's so important to see how David challenges his feelings and his loneliness. He doesn't challenge it with positive thinking. I just got to start thinking different, God. I know. I got to, you know, be more grateful. I got to list my blessings. I got to use hashtag bless a little bit more on social media. He doesn't do that. He doesn't begin to rationalize why he should not be lonely. Well, I'm feeling this way, but I shouldn't because of this. And what, what about these people? And, you know, like a little equation if that's, that's going to help. He doesn't try to change his perspective as the cure for his loneliness. Sometimes we think like that. We name our loneliness, we identify the root cause, and we know why we're feeling that way. But when we challenge it, we think that it's up to us to fix and care for our loneliness. So you think, well, I just gotta start thinking different. I gotta start identifying that these feelings are irrational and somehow they're just gonna go away. That doesn't work, right? Imagine someone coming to you, you name your loneliness, you share it with a friend, you say, I'm feeling lonely and I feel like no one notices me and no one cares for me and I don't really feel like I have really genuine connection with any friends. And then your friend says this, well, that's dumb. Like, here are all your friends. Here's why how you feel is irrational. People notice you. I saw this. Like, that may make you feel good in the moment, but it doesn't help. It's like, what? wow, thank you for telling me all that. I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that I had friends. I'm even sitting here with you as a friend talking to you, but it doesn't matter how many people you tell me care for me and notice me. That's not how I feel. David does not challenge his loneliness with just logical arguments to change his perspective. Why? Because your perspective is easily triggered. Don't, you know this, right? You may be in a great space right now. You may feel connected. You may be grateful for all the things that God is doing in your life. But you know that your perspective can be triggered in an instant. One picture on Instagram, one comment from a friend, one invitation you don't receive, one busy season at work. Your perspective can be triggered and then it's prone to change. Your emotions can be manipulated. You were feeling great one day and the next day you woke up and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but all of a sudden now you feel lonely. Now you feel disconnected from people. Now you question whether or not you actually have friends. Do they really care about you? Do they really notice you? And is Miami a really a place where you can find safety and refuge and like root yourself? Perspective is easily triggered and prone to change. And that's why after you name your loneliness and you identify its root cause, you don't challenge it with your own logical thinking and the, the wisdom from others. You challenge it with an eternal perspective. Challenge it with God's word as you come to him in prayer. David says this in Psalm 62. I mean, 26, sorry, dyslexia. Psalm 26, too, as he prays to God, he says, God, prove me, O Lord, and try me and test my heart and my mind. He's saying, God, I want you to challenge me. I want you to challenge my heart and my mind. See, this is what he does here. As he identifies his loneliness and why he feels that way, the root cause, he asks God to challenge it. And when he challenges, he says, God, when my heart faints within me, I know your perspective. 
I know your truth. I know that you see me and you notice me and you know my way. And so in the midst of your loneliness, as you identify why you're feeling that way, don't try to challenge it with some practical five-step routine that's going to make it better just by telling yourself that you're being illogical. Challenge it by coming to God's word in prayer and saying, God, can you show me your perspective? Help me to see what you say because I know that your perspective is not triggered and it's not prone to change. And when you do that, you can care for your loneliness. You can finally care for it. You see, some of the things that we do to cure loneliness are helpful. Like our self-care routine can be helpful. You can look at your schedule and think, you know, hey, I got to put myself out there a little bit more at work. I got to stick around after church and talk with some people and ask to exchange numbers and jump on that WhatsApp chat and finally respond. And some of you are like ghosts on the WhatsApp chat. Jump out there. You may have these things that can be helpful to to meet people and find connection. and, And those are good. But if they are not supported by soul care, it will fall flat. If your self-care routine is not supported by soul care, it will fall flat. You see, you care for your loneliness, not in your own ability, but as you come to God and allow him to speak to your soul and you listen to his word. So what does it look like to engage in soul care regarding loneliness. You've named it. You've identified the root cause. You're challenging it with God's word. And now you're saying, God, I I want you to speak to me and share me your truth. I want to care for it. By engaging in soul care, what does that look like? Well, one, it means you engage a connected church. You engage a connected church. And when you engage a connected church, you begin to see God's gift that is the church. You see, God has given all of us here a great gift. And that gift is each other. Do you believe that? Now here, listen, I'm going to challenge you, okay? Do you believe that God's gift to you is everyone in the room and not just a handful of people that you vibe with best? Right? It's easy to say yes The church is a gift and the people are a gift, but these six (laughs) and everyone else, they get the, good to see you. Do you believe that the diversity of the church is a gift? All the different personalities, all the different upbringings, all the different baggage, all the different places in their spiritual journey, all the different doubts all the different types of people that God brings to his church are a gift. You are a gift to everyone here, and everyone here is a gift to you. You see, that is the beauty of connecting to the church. The church is to be connected and united. Now, it is normal for you to meet a few people and to connect with them and to grow deeper with them, and you're going to have levels of friendship. That's normal human relationship, But engaging a connected church means walking into the community and saying, I believe that every person that engages in the life of Crossbridge Brickle is a gift to me, and I want to allow God to use me as a gift to them as well. 
That's the church. We're to connect to it. What does it look like to connect to it? I'm going to give you some practical things. So you can write it down, take notes. If you haven't done this, jump in. One is that you connect on Sunday. You come here ready to connect to people on Sunday. That means that you arrive a little bit early. Come on, can I get an amen? (laughs) A little bit early so you can meet some new people. You spend time afterwards. You don't just jet out. Spend five, ten minutes. And when you spend time afterwards, you're intentional about talking with someone that you don't talk with all week long on WhatsApp. You talk to someone that you haven't spent time talking to because everyone is a gift. The diversity of the church is a gift. And you want to connect with new people and make sure people know that regardless of where they're at in life, they can find a home here. So you engage and connect on Sunday. You say, hey, sign me up for the gather team. Can I get another amen? Hey, this doesn't happen by accident. It's people that say, hey, I want to connect to the church. I want to get to know people through serving. I'm going to take one Sunday every five to six weeks, and I'm going to come early, and I'm going to help set up and tear down, and I'm going to come with joy because we get to gather together and worship. And I'm going to be intentional about meeting people. You connect on Sunday. Then you connect throughout the week. Tonight, we're launching our community groups for the fall. And we don't have community groups just because, like, we're a church and you're supposed to have some type of small group things. We're like, okay, community groups, like, go to those. Like, another program. We want you to connect in community groups. Why? Because guess what? You don't get to screen who's in the group. You sign up and you show up and you meet people and engage with people from all different places in life. And you celebrate that as a gift Sometimes it's messy and it's difficult, but diversity of the church is a gift. So you engage in community. You engage in projects where we want to serve the city, not just because you want to check something off the list and feel like you did something for someone else, but because you want to come together with God's people and walk together on mission, serving and caring for others. It's an opportunity to connect deeper. We're to connect to the church. I want to be real, the church will disappoint you. You're like, oh, why you got to go there? I was like so motivated. I'm going to sign up for everything. And then you're like, the church is going to disappoint. Yeah, your friendships are going to disappoint you. There's going to be cliques that arise and have to be dealt with. There's gossip. There's sometimes people that are standoffish and make rude comments and will make mistakes because the church is full of broken people. And it will disappoint you. But listen, The church is the most real, authentic, powerful, transformative community in the world. More so than any networking event, any business and company, any school, any yoga class, any Brickle Run Club, any Equinox, wherever you go to meet other people, there's more diversity and more power and more transformation happens in the church, but sadly a lot of people don't experience it because they keep the church at a distance. Like, I'll come some, but I, I, I don't want to be disappointed. The church will disappoint you. It will, and you will disappoint others. But see, as we gather together, the diversity of the church is a gift to us. Even the baggage that we experience is a gift because we have other people that can give us grace and can encourage us, and we can also be that for others when they fail too. 
And when that happens, it points us to the ultimate and most important aspect of soul care, not just connecting to the church, but engaging a connected faith. Engaging a connected faith. You see, when you connect to your faith, it is a signal to you, not that connection is lacking in your life, which is what creates loneliness, but it should be a signal to you that connection is available. You see, Jesus felt loneliness too for you. He went to the cross and he gave his life for you and he took your sin and your shame and your guilt and he paid for it. Why? So that you could know that you're not alone. On the cross, as Jesus is paying for all of your failures and all of my failures, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experiences deep loneliness, deeper than any of us will ever experience as the God the Father turns his face from him as Jesus pays for all of our mistakes and our sin. Why? One, so that we could know that our destiny is connection to God and his people. But two, so that we could know that relationship and connection to God is available now. That God wants to know you now. That he cares for you now that he's with you now, as David says, that he knows your way, even when you feel alone, alone. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. If you believe in faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, your eternal destination is relationship and the presence of God and his people. It is in God the Father's house. And you cannot mess that up because Jesus paid for all of your mess ups. You think, well, what about now? What about like right this second? Look at Jesus says in Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Jesus gave his life for you so that you could know and have hope that you're going to be with God eternally and his people. And that right now, God is near to you. He is with you. He sees your way. He has not forsaken you. He's walking alongside of you even when you don't know it. That's why Jesus died, so you can have a relationship with God free access to him. I love what Isaiah 41.10 says. I want to encourage you to recite this when you're in the midst of loneliness as you challenge it with God's word and care for your soul. God says this to you. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, Jesus connects you to the Father. You are connected to God, your Father, who loves you and sees you and knows your way and will strengthen you and will help you and is with you even when you don't recognize it. You are not left as an orphan. You are not alone even when you feel alone. So in the midst of your loneliness, as you name it and you identify its root cause and you challenge it with God's word, care for your soul by connecting to God's gift that is the church and connecting to your faith. You see, when David 
connects to his faith in the midst of his loneliness, he says this in verse five. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge. I feel like I have no refuge, but God, you're my refuge. You're my portion in the land of the living. Will you pray with me? God, as we gather before you in prayer as your people, we know that maybe half of us are struggling with loneliness right now. We feel a lack of connection with people in our life. We struggle with feeling like people don't notice us and don't really care, that we have no refuge. We pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to name it, to not feel shame and to brush it off, to identify the root of why we feel the way that we feel, to challenge it, not with our own effort, but God, with your word, as we come to you in prayer, that we would care for it, God, as we engage in soul care, as we connect to your people, to your church, that is a gift, and as we connect to our faith, that is a gift to us as well. Lord, would you remind us tonight that you are with us, that you are our God, that you are a good Father, you know our way. Even when we feel alone, we are not truly alone. You're near. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.